welcome to this edition of the DMZ America podcast. I'm Scott Stantis. It is Friday, September 17th. I'm coming to you from the right. And from the left, I'm Ted Rawl, and I am always happy to spend my September 17th with you, Scott. <laughs> Thank you. And you're coming from the left. I am. You are. Hey, we're, we've decided to do something a little different here. We're just going to scatter shot stuff. Just keep just keep things moving along. No more than five minutes on any one subject. We're calling it Attention Deficit Friday. So first off, Ted, where do you buy your submarines? Uh, well, I usually buy my submarines from France. Uh, France is a uh, country that's reputed for its long coastline along the English Channel, the Atlantic Ocean, and and the Mediterranean, and as such, has long experience uh, with uh, nuclear submarines. Um, but unfortunately, uh, they lost a sale recently to the uh, militarily beleaguered uh, nation of Australia uh, to the United States, uh, which also, by the way, pissed off the Chinese. Um, so that's a whole thing. So uh, we're making friends. Uh, and uh, this, is, this is a story that I think a lot of people are not really interested in, but I, I think it's always notable, and I know you agree as my a fellow person of half-French extraction, it's always notable when the U.S. Uh, goes out of its way to piss off France, which is, after all, the one country without whom there would be no United States. Indeed. In fact, but the, I mean, just uh, the whole... The whole... <laughs> I'm sorry, but the, every aspect of the story just... I, I, I just go, huh? First of all, France makes submarines? Wait, what do you mean? France has a, you know, France is one of the biggest uh, defense, um, it has one of the biggest defense industries in the world. Well, I knew, um, it was like, I knew it was like aerospace and stuff, but I did not know that it did submarines. Mirage jets. Um, yeah, they, yeah, they sell excellent. a fuck ton of weapons. Yeah. And just what, I mean, does a submarine have a wine cellar? I mean, I just, I mean, I just, I just, I'm sorry. <laughs> but the second French part of the story, does. the second part of the story is it's that like Australia needs submarines. Really? That's, that's how this works. Uh, three, uh, the U.S. just kind of jumped in and France is saying the ultimate insult, Joe Biden is acting like Donald Trump. That's a headline in today in Reuters. It's like uh, That is, um, yeah, that is the ultimate insult. It, it, it also happens to be true in a lot of respects. And we're going to talk about some of the ways that's true uh, in, uh, in, in this podcast. Um, you know, I, look, I think uh, obviously, the Aussies um, can feel just as uh, militarily paranoid as any other country if they want to, and they can waste their taxpayer money just like any other country. And fundamentally, they can buy submarines from whoever the fuck they want to. But uh, I do think that you know France, as a longstanding ally, is probably not a country we should go out of the way to piss off. And uh, they have been hit harder economically by the COVID lockdown than the United States has. And so it seems kind of mean and unnecessary to uh, cause such offense with such a longtime ally. Yeah, it's tied into some kind of um, treaty or alliance between the United States, the United Kingdom, and Australia. So how, I mean, it's all part of, you know, you know, we talked about this in a previous podcast about the military industrial complex that Eisenhower warned us about. So after he made it bigger and bigger and left office, he said it while he was leaving office. Oh, by the way, <laughs> I know he's kind of an asshole. He's kind of like Bush talking about, you know, all the all the uh the, the divisiveness in our in our politics. Gee, if I you know, wait, how do I know you? Oh, I know you from such guys as with us or against us. 
<laughs> okay, next thing, uh, COVID booster shots, for or more against them. Now, my friend Ted Rawl, um, <laughs> who, who I love as a brother, uh, went out and got himself shot again uh, without asking your physician, or did you? I mean, I, I, did my, no, I, no, are you kidding? My physician would have said no. Why? Uh, she would have. Oh, I mean, because she would have had to, even though she probably privately got one herself, like every other doctor I heard from after I wrote about this for the Wall Street Journal. Um, you know, doctors and nurses are are getting are giving themselves booster shots surreptitiously uh, and have been for months. Uh, according to the CDC themselves, over 1.1 million Americans have already done exactly what I did, walked into a CVS or whatever, and just saying like, hi, me want COVID shot and gotten a third one. Um, look, the Israelis have already approved and the Germans have already, and you know, this is not a, a, two teams that usually work together, um, are, uh, <laughs> yeah. have, got, have both agreed to, uh, to authorize co- a third booster of Pfizer to their entire populations and uh, over 12. And um, the Israelis are now talking about doing big number four. So, uh, wow. You know, I, wow. And, and meanwhile, our country is tossing tens of millions of doses a, a month uh, because yeah. uh, we're, we don't want them, apparently. So, hey, I, I stole one out of the landfill and I did just go out and did it. You know, our, our government's dithering. I know, Scott, as a libertarian, this shocks you. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, I was like, look, I'm looking out for numero uno. Uh, I'm taking care of this. I'm not taking it away from anyone else who needs it. It's not like they're sending it to someone in Bangladesh who would otherwise need it. If they were, I would not have done it. Uh, I want to be really clear on that. So yeah, I went out and did it. Okay. And now they're still dithering. That's what's going on. Right. I mean, the, the, the the Biden administration uh, announced close to a month ago that in a matter of a few days from now, they were going to authorize third booster shots for uh, older people and people who were immunocompromised. And now because of some PC bullshit coming out of the WH show uh you know about like global health and uh well we really shouldn't be giving americans a third one when there's so many people around the world who haven't had a chance to get a first um you know that would be great if we were sending them to other to developing countries but we're not so since we're not um and we have a nationalistic policy uh, let's live in the real world and just uh give the boosters to americans who want and need them well, a lot. So many Americans don't want to. Uh, let's. Um, this is actually salient. Let's move over to the recall in California, where Governor Newsom actually survived pretty easily a recall attempt. Uh, based- By the way, how is he not going to survive when you're running against like 150 candidates? Well, I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger beat uh, Gray Davis. Yeah, uh, it's a remarkable ago. victory when you consider it. that one. Also, there were like 50 candidates. Yeah, but they L.A. Times did something. Look this up when you get a chance, folks. Um, did an overlap map of California of how people voted and people who voted against the um, this will surprise you. Not how did all, the so. LAPD say they voted? Oh, wait. Oh, sorry. Oh, I LAPD. You know how they voted. <laughs> I mean, co- Whenever the L.A. Times says something, I always wonder you know, what part of the <laughs> LAPD told them to say that. Well, no, because, you know, the I'm sure the policeman's union, like most policeman's union across the country, are very Trumpy. Um, oh, yeah. This showed this had an overlay of, of districts that voted for or against the recall. And you're, you're the ones who voted for. And then they had a map of, of places that have high and low vaccination rates. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that matches up perfectly. It's just I'm flipping sure. insane. So recall, you know, I've talked about it briefly. Uh, I like recall. I like 
the referendum uh, process they have in California, the fact that it's pretty easy to do both of those, you don't. I am okay with, uh, I'm going to go Chinese menu. I like, I'll take one from A, but not one from B. Um, I, I think the referendum system gets us closer to democracy. And so therefore it's hard for me to oppose anything that allows people to have more control over their lives. Um, but I, I seriously don't know, think the recall system really works. Um, you know, look, we have – we, why would you want to recall a, a governor? Because he or she did something that's unethical or scandalous or illegal. Um, and we have a system for that. It's called impeachment. The state assembly can impeach the governor. Um, or they some can states pressure do. Them. Let me jump in real quick and say some states do, some states do not. With uh, Roger California Lefebvre. does. Rod Blagojevich in Illinois, literally they had to pass a law to impeach him. But they got but, – but it worked. The point is they did get rid of him, um, and, and that's a whole different issue. I actually don't think they, he deserved that. But, for example, Cuomo was pushed out by the threat of impeachment here in New York. Um, there's – I think the problem with, with this is like, you know, you're elected governor, and basically someone just gets an – itch in their ass that they don't like you. And so they gather 1.3 million signatures uh, from people at the mall and at the NASCAR rally. And then the next thing you know, instead of governing the state in the middle of a pandemic, you're, you know, you're facing a recall election that costs the taxpayers $200 million. I mean, it just seems to me like, uh, and, you know, by the way, I hate fucking Gavin Newsom. I mean, he literally personally screwed me in my lawsuit. Uh, but I, I just don't think that this was a, I don't think it's a workable. It's it's not a one. It's not a way to run a railroad, Scott. Okay. Well, I, I I like the fact that you can have the fear of God into these people, and the fact that it's easy to uh, to. I like that too. I just think that like it should be. There should there should be some meat on the bones, you know. Like if they genuinely fuck up in some serious way, I don't have a problem with it. But what did Newsom? I mean, Newsom. Look, he fucked up. The the look the. A ban on outdoor dining in a state as warm and pleasant to be outdoor to eat outdoors yeah. in and safe as California was irresponsible. There's restaurant, there's uh, entrepreneurs who lost their businesses because of this idiotic decision. Um, I understand why people are pissed, but it just doesn't really rise to the level of an effective midterm impeachment. Well, and now moving on. Apparently, this weekend, not apparently. God, I hate. There is going to be a justice for for J six, which is catchy. Uh, the, what's that? Catchy, yeah. Because well, it's the <laughs> Looney Tunes who are saying that the people who are being prosecuted for attacking the Capitol, breaking things, and killing police officers are political prisoners. Well, they are political prisoners. I mean, you know, oh, they, it, okay. they were engaged what? in a political act. I mean, look, I mean, seriously, I'm just uh, devil's advocate here. Uh, you know, they are. Look, here's the thing. They are being mistreated. But in that respect, they are not being. It's an interesting topic, right? Because they're being held uh, with, in many cases, without bail. Um, and they are being mistreated and kept under kind of harrowing conditions. But in that sense, they're not really different from anyone else who's uh, get get swallowed up by the maw of what passes for the criminal justice system in this country. They're just being treated like it's white people being treated like black people. Um, and, I did, well, and you know what do you say? It's kind of like it is unfair and it's wrong. How is it but unfair? On the other hand, it's not how being. Un, unfair, it's not unfair. It's not. It's unfair and wrong in a kind of 
semi-consistent way. So it's hard to know what to say about this. Wait, what? How is it unfair? They attacked the Capitol. Now, here's where you and I will uh, disagree. And but you you and I think you're right. The the, the raw um, theorem on this is that change does not happen within the system. We talked about this before, that radical change only comes with revolution. And that's what this this was. Well, it was a it was really a riot. I yeah. mean, you know, it wasn't an attempted revolution. I mean, it was, I mean, of course, obviously revolutions have begun with riots. I was going to say, look at France, Bastille. Yeah, sure. The storming of the Winter Palace. Um, but there's, there's, it's still not, I think this was a, look, here's the question. 99% of the people who ended up walking through the, through the walking through or running through or raising hell or breaking shit or reading Nancy Pelosi's mail uh, on January 6th, did they go to Washington thinking they would end up inside that building? No, uh, it wasn't a plan, right? I think it was a, uh, a probably 1% of the people who were there thought that this was something they might want to do. But I think most of them just sort of, sort of got swept along and we're probably as surprised as those of us watching on television. They just, you know, their intent was not to overthrow the government of the United States. Oh, uh, I, th- I think their intent was to subvert, to try to raise hell and maybe somehow spook Congress into stopping the electoral college count. Right. That would be an overthrow of the democratic institutions of the United States of America. Their intent was to overturn an election. That's a coup well, d'etat. Many, That's... many people. It, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's coup light, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was the derpiest coup ever. <laughs> <laughs> Very poorly executed, in my opinion. Thumbs down. <laughs> Don't go. I mean, there are much better coups. So, what's going to happen this weekend? My guess is like it's going to be, you know, a few thousand people. Uh, the Trump flags, you're going to see a lot of white supremacist symbolism. Very, a lot of security, very heavy security. My son and daughter-in-law live in the D.C. area now, and they're talking that the fences are back up around the Capitol. So they're not going to get anywhere close to the Capitol. Nor, nor are they going to really try to go back in anyway. Well, it's going to be a bunch of overweight, gross-looking white males. with, And there's going to be, like I said, I, I'm part of the uh, – I just uh, didn't just. I am now a member of the Vexiology – North American Vexiology Society, which is, um, you know, flags. And it sounds like it's people who are deeply vexed. We are. Things. We just sit there and go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, But watch the flags. Watch the T-shirts. Uh, watch the signs, and you're going to see a crap ton of uh, of white supremacist symbolism. Yeah, there will be Confederate flags. There will be um, there will be deeper those, stuff. You're those seeing. SS style runes. You're see, it's well, the funniest thing when I got my last uh, COVID shot was a, a truck next to me had the three percent, you know, had a three percent sticker in the back of it, which is one of the guy the groups that you know it's that bullshit history that th- only three percent of americans wanted to leave great britain which is oh. not true no me. that's not that is not true empirically not true but facts, and it could not have been true no. because it wouldn't have succeeded if that had been the case exactly so anyway so okay so let's moving down we have um the supreme court i'm going to jump around on this list ted because we we came up with this list prior to, to we began recording this uh the supreme court and how the justices feel compelled to go f- come forward and say that they are not partisan hacks. 
Yeah, and this is a longstanding tradition. The latest one is Barrett. Uh, Amy, um, Amy Barrett just uh, said that. And then um, recently, on uh, he's flogging his new book, Justice uh, Souter, um, also made that argument. And then the latest um, I was just reading is Clarence Thomas, who uh, lately I've warmed up to because of his opposition to the anti-slap law. Um, but he also um, says that, and we've heard that pretty much you know, all our lives that, uh, you know, we just consider the law. And look, that frightens me because it, to me, uh, I expect self-awareness on the part of my Supreme Court justices. And can't they look at their track record of one five four decision along party lines after another over yeah. the course of years and not see the same pattern that the rest of us see? No, I think you said, I th- I have to believe that it's sort of self-delusion in many ways that, you know, I'm a jurist and hence I take it case by case and listen to the facts and consider them. And I go, horseshit. That's not how, that's not how these decisions come down. It's rare indeed when you have, say, a judge that's perceived as conservative will come out with what is perceived to be a liberal ruling and vice versa. You just like Anthony Kennedy or someone like that. Uh, Breyer, I think, is the one who's like, and he's like, what, 900 years old? I mean, yeah. we have to put age limits. When the, when it was said that you're there for life, we did not have the medical advantages we have today. And people weren't living that long. I mean, Social Security is 65 years because the life expectancy in America. 67 for us Gen Xers, boomer boy. Well, it's 66 <laughs> and a half for me, millennial boy, <laughs> Gen X boy. Um, but the life expectancy in the 1930s for an Amer- average American was 63 years, 63 and a half years. So yeah, having yeah. a 65 year old made sense, but they had no. My point is that. Well, you can see the purpose of the lifetime appointment, which they felt that they would. I mean, obviously, it didn't work. The idea was that they would be, uh, you couldn't influence them because they had other job security. But look at, for example, I think infamously, uh, Sandra Day O'Connor who was the, deci- the, the tie-breaking cast, the decisive vote, vote in Bush v. Gore, which is universally um, seen, even by the court itself, as a shitty decision. Uh, they themselves decertified their decision and said it cannot be used as precedent. Anyway, she admitted she just wanted to retire under a Republican president and go back to her ranch in Arizona. Uh, she didn't want – that's the well, only reason well, she cast her, her vote husband, that way. Her husband was suffering from dementia, so she wanted to care for him. Okay. I mean, there were personal. But the point is, it was a personal. It was a personal decision, and she wanted to do it under a Republican president rather than a Democratic president. She, if she just cared about her husband, she could have just she could have still, you know, let democracy prevail, which means Gore would have been would have been the president. The Supreme Court should not have ruled on a state matter. They shouldn't have even taken the case because state elections are a state's matter, and I know that. As a conservative and a constitutionalist, you know that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I think that I'm not, but I'm not going to. Sus- so she should have let Gore be president. And then she I don't think Gore would have won. And then the Democrat becomes whatever. And you know what? And we need to also go back to something we don't talk about. You know, when we were kids, um, there was a tradition that I think has gone by the wayside of uh, the president disregarding his own party and replacing Supreme Court justices with. A, par, uh, a member or with a similar slant as the person who retired or died. So like Nixon, for example, replaced a uh, liberal justice with a liberal justice because that's the way things were done back then. Hmm. Well, 
and I understand that part of the election process is to pick a candidate who's going to uh, appoint judges that agree with, especially Roe v. Wade seems to be the one and, and frankly, the only litmus test, which is absurd given all Roe the v. things. Roe v. Wade being doomed. I'm not so sure. I, I mean, we can, let's talk, let's segue to that real quick and then we'll move on to the rest of the list. I'm not sure that they're going to overturn it. They, they don't want to right now, I think. But well, they don't they want to because have, of, they may just happen because of because of our system of of, of precedent, the British system of and so stare decisis. Um, right. And so they're I think they're very loath to go back to what was a very obvious major decision by the court. They don't want and then to go yeah. back and overturn it and say, you know what, that precedent is now thrown in the wastebasket. There's new precedents. They may not, but it may just effectively be overturned. I mean, it's already been effectively overturned in the state of Texas. Well, in, in Alabama, in Mississippi, in South Carolina. I mean, there's a lot of states that have uh, had draconian. And in fact, frankly, it was a race by legislatures and attorney generals in those states to be the one that gets to overturn Roe v. Wade and then they can run on it. Sure. Um, not that there's cynical politics at play in this world. Never. At all. Never. never. But, look, never. but we should get back. To, to Amy Barrett, right? I mean, so the question is, like, what do you, I mean, what do you think about this, Scott? I mean, it's it, I mean, that we can just, beyond just laughing at them for saying, well, obviously you're partisan <laughs> hacks. Um, yes. I mean, is there anything else to add to this? No, I think it's bullshit. I think it's self, like I said, I think it's self-delusion and it's someone, you, you wear a black robe and hence you're going to bounce, but that it's, it's so contrary to human nature because, you know, I'm going to come from you know, I'm white, male, cis, you know, that's going to inform my decisions. Of course. Uh, as hard as I fight against it or may want to fight against it, that's going to change my what decisions. You want, what I would want from a Justice Stantis is, a, is just merely that you be open-minded and that yeah. when uh, you hear a variety of points of view, some of which might disagree with yours, that you would have an open mind and think, well, you know, I wonder if, if, that, if that person has a point. Well, that's what, I mean, that's what I love about our conversations, you know, on and off podcast yes. is that you challenge my thinking. I have to go Likewise. back and, and research and think and go, why do I think this? Or why do I think Ted is full of shit? Um, and then learn that maybe you're not, or that there's, or, or maybe I am, <laughs> or that I can come back. I can come to your way of thinking it's through a different Avenue. And that's where sure. I think you and I really do get along is that we recognize that we want the same things. How do you get there? But then, uh, so like you, you know, there was the famous friendship between Ruth Bader Ginsburg and uh, uh, and and Anthony Scalia, right? Yeah. Um, and I, look, I think it's sweet that they got along and everything. But I just really wonder: is there any evidence that either of them ever convinced the other one of anything? No, no, I would say probably not. I don't know that they ever. I, I, I don't know. I don't. My my knowledge of their decisions is not deep enough to know that they, were they ever on the same side. I have to imagine there were some rare instances. It must have happened sometimes. Yeah, I imagine. But, but I mean, but, it's just. But I mean, I think the thing is, it scares me when people think like, well, you know, what I think is objective truth. I know that I'm fair. That scares the shit out of me when people think that about themselves. Yeah, and that's where the self-delusion comes in. And that's where you and I would agree. Yeah. Um, so speaking of self-delusion, General Milley. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not a partisan hack himself. Uh, that is such a weird story. Can you fill us in a little bit? You, you have a little Yeah, one. sure. So there's a new, the latest Bob Woodward book, which he co-wrote with Bob, Bob Costa. 
um, has the usual juicy revelations. This one is that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, four-star General Milley, uh, basically uh, was concerned uh, shortly after the January 6th riot at the Capitol uh, because uh, he heard uh, through intelligence channels that the Chinese uh, were taking Trump's threats uh, very seriously, that Trump kept blaming uh, them for the coronavirus, so that they were worried that well, I think uh, that's Trump was true. Going, but go on, that Trump was going to, uh, you know, basically follow up this heated rhetoric uh, by lobbing some missiles at them uh, across the South China Sea. And so it doesn't seem like it was really a nuclear attack they were concerned about, but just some sort of military attack. But, you know, obviously things can escalate when you're talking about two countries with ICBMs. And so he, uh, Millie, decided to call his Chinese counterpart, uh, General Li, I believe is his name. And uh, and he said, look, dude, uh, don't worry. Uh, you know, we're, we're not coming after you. This is just we're, the U.S. is not un- unstable as it looks. And we're going to, uh, you know, we're, we're solid here. We have, we have command and control over the nukes. But in the off chance that we do attack you and, and Trump goes uh, crazy and does this, I'll call you so you'll know that the missiles are inbound. Um, and that obviously has sparked a tremendous reaction, particularly on the right. Yeah, why? I don't understand the reaction to that other than um, it just seems weird to call if you're going to attack a country to call it and to call their military leaders and say, Hey, by the way, this may happen. If it does, we're calling, let you know, it's no biggie. You know, I'm sorry. If you lobbed some bombs into Beijing or <laughs> Shanghai, I think they'd probably it's a biggie. go, this is a big deal to us. Um, yeah. Like we're, we're bummed about this. We don't like it. <laughs> we take umbrage. Yeah. We, we're vexed. <laughs> we're highly vexed. I just love what you just said. I, uh, the United States slogan now is the U.S. not as crazy as it looks. E pluribus nutsum. God, can you? Oh, my. What a world. Well, I mean, I don't. And he, yeah, he really is getting. I mean, he should. Re, um, I can't tell you how much, how many Twitter accounts and so on in the, tw- in the conservative Twitterverse in the last you know, 24, 36 hours of all said he should resign and how dare he. And it is a strange thing to do. I've never heard of anything quite. I imagine maybe it happens quite a lot. Maybe these guys really don't like and or trust the commander in chief. I know that a lot of military people chafe at the idea of civilian control of the military. Remember, there's the story that's come out in recent days about uh, which I'd heard before. Uh, Apparently something similar occurred during the Nixon administration, when uh, Dick was living way at the bottom of a bottle, uh, deep in the in the throes of Watergate, uh, with twenty percent approval rating, and um, he, there was concern that he might decide to uh, stay in office by uh, starting World War III against the Soviets. And uh, General, uh, sorry, Secretary of State, I think at the time Schlesinger, uh, called his Soviet counter- counterpart. And uh, and also contact, uh, I believe, but he certainly got he did another thing that Millie did. He got his uh, top generals uh, in a room and reminded them that the president uh, has to execute the launch codes through them and that no one was to execute Nixon's launch order without speaking to him first uh, with the implication that he might put the kibosh on it. And Millie did the same thing with his uh, top leadership. And said, you know, if Trump tells you to launch, don't you dare before you talk to me first. 
Um, I think it's extraordinary. Look, um, a lot of Democrats are justifying this this by saying, look, uh, technically speaking, it's not treason because we're not in a state of, in a state of war with China. Um, Therefore, China is not officially an enemy, and by constitutional definition, you can't have treason if you don't have an enemy, right? Um, and but I do think it's kind of fucked up. It it is a violation of civilian control of of government. I mean, you know, look, I personally think it's insane that one person can launch nuclear weapons. The system should be re- reformed, but it is our system, and for the time being, and it's weird for the generals to say. Uh, yeah, so, you know, thank you for your suggestion, Mr. President. That's very cute. Let me pat you on the head. But, yeah, we're, we'll take that under advisement and probably not do it. Like, what? Uh, we're kind of running a little long this time, so okay. let's just blast through these really quick. But one is – this is an important issue. I think this may be a podcast going forward, but let's just both say drones. Um, you – um, in Afghanistan, there was an attack where they blew up a guy who they thought was loading explosives into a truck in Afghanistan. Turns out it was water. Killed him and how many of his children? Seven kids aged 5 to 16. And he was actually an ally of the United States forces, wasn't he? Served Absolutely. Those? Yeah, he was an uh, uh, Afghan who worked uh, many years for a U.S. aid agency. And in fact, apparently had been approved for a special entry visa into the United States. But rather than give him a ticket... To Florida, uh, we gave him a ticket to hell. Well, I'm not going to judge his lifestyle, but it's, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. It, it was, so, so drones should drones be banned? Should they be in the same category as as mines? I think that's a podcast in and of itself. But we just want I wanted to touch yes. on it real quick. Um, Biden's cough. Um, the, uh, NBC reporter asked uh, the secretary uh, the press secretary what's up with the president's cough and she said oh it's nothing well one thing i do by the way before we let go of drones i just want to say like fuck you to all my fellow progressives and leftists who don't care about this issue there's never been a fucking real drone anti-drone demonstration um you know there's no there's no meaningful opposition to this Presidents have it started out under Bush, so it's really a Republican idea. Democrats have expanded it. Um, it's horrible. Um, wait, wait, wait. It's no, I unethical. think. Well, it was cruise missiles first, and you and I talked about. And like I said, this is a podcast in and of itself. Drone, armed drones, though, started under Bush. And I talked about, um, you know, the Kosovo conflict and how the United States used cruise missiles to, and it worked. It, it separated the sides. It allowed for a peace conference. Uh, but I think it was the worst thing that could have happened. War needs to be ugly and horrible and awful, not some dipshit in a you know a, a dark room in Tampa. Who yeah, is, well, you know, I think they're usually dipshits in a trailer in in, in Nevada, is what I hear. Wow. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it, they don't know. What, look, they even if they were geniuses, they don't know. You know, even if it was fucking Noam Chomsky in there, they don't fucking know what's on the ground. They can't know what's on the ground. So they're blowing. That's why they're always wrong. They almost never hit their targets. They're always just killing innocent people. So should there be a ban? That'll be another pro- podcast. Last um, last on the list, we're going to actually get through it. Ted, Texas, a waitress attacked in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> we do have to talk about Biden's cough. Um, okay, so I'll come back to Biden's cough. Yeah, so in, uh, if uh, anyone who's visited New York and has been to Times Square has probably seen or been to the giant Carmine's industrial-sized uh, Italian restaurant um, in the West 40s, um, the, um, the Metro D, uh, the greeter at the door, 
uh, was uh, asked uh, three people from Texas who appear to be um, parents in their 40s and their and their 20-something son uh, for their proof of vaccination, which is, by the way, required by a city mandate. Uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio uh, requires these days all restaurants and bars to ask for proof of vaccination for admission. Anyway, uh, she was violently at- assaulted. Uh, in a, it was captured on video. And, uh, you know, what can you say? Uh, people really want to eat at Carmine's. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Who doesn't? I mean, I mean, yeah, but does it surprise anybody listening? Does it surprise you, Ted, at all that these were Texans? I mean, what the fuck is wrong with that state? Well, they could have been Floridians also. This is true. But but um, with global with global climate change, that Florida is not going to be an issue in another 20 years. That's true. That, that, that we come full circle back to our submarine story there. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Texas um, angle is not terribly surprising. I suppose we should be happy that they weren't armed um, or yeah, if they what were are the armed, odds? they chose not to exercise their, their, their second amendment rights. Um, it's look, I mean, look, it, it's, I think what people need to understand is even if you think it's fucking stupid, to have a vax mandate or to require vaccinate a proof of vax to get into a restaurant. That's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. And I think there's a lot of validity to it, but you, you know, you, this woman is just doing her job. She's just been told uh, by her boss, you have to do this, you know, don't take it out. Like when I look, I get treated like shit by airlines. I don't take it out on the staff. It's not their fault. They're victims too. They're understaffed. They're, they're told to enforce ridiculous rules. You know, be nice to service workers. It's an important rule. <laughs> it is. And lastly, Biden's cough. Well, what do you think about that? You should bring us up to date on that, Scott. Yeah, well, uh, NBC's Kelly O'Connell, uh, O'Donnell, rather, I'm sorry, was um, at a press conference, the daily press briefing with Press Secretary Pisecki, and asked about what's up with President Biden's cough. And it was summarily, <laughs> dis- yeah, it was summarily dismissed. And here is the quote. I don't think of it. I don't think it's an issue of concern, said Dr. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> Press Secretary Psaki. Um, you know, we, we talk about the president's health and we talk about this cognitive issues. And we've, we've dumped on on President Biden pretty regularly, which was, I think, that, that will continue. But I mean, I think it's legitimate in the time of covid for a man who is in his late 70s. And if he develops a cough, now you said, well, before we went on again, we discussed this, that that's also one of the signs of, oh God, what's, I can't remember the phrase now. A, I'm breakthrough, a breakthrough yeah, infection. A breakthrough case. Now, is that what this is? I mean, we don't know. And for it to be just summarily dismissed, I think is, I, I, that's bullshit. I'm sorry. I just can't. Yeah, I don't, look, I don't care. If, uh, I don't care if, if he was the, fit, the picture of health like uh, Barack Obama. Um, he's the president of the United States. Uh, COVID obviously makes one wonder. Um, and, and, you know, he's not always masked, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, the American people have a right to know the physical and mental health of their commander in chief at all times, and they shouldn't be brushed off. Um, it's, and, you know, the fact that the media lets that, lets that be brushed off is, you know, it's unconscionable. Um, I no, think- I mean, I, th- I think, and look, this, he could fucking die, and then we'll end up with Harris. God help us all. I think that um, I couldn't agree with you more on this issue, that we have an absolute right. The president should get a physical every year, and he does, or she. 
eventually. Are those results uh, released to the public in any it's detail? It's supposed to be, uh, but if you remember the first physical that uh, Trump had, oh yeah, remember that he weighed. Yeah, didn't he have his private doctor do it? It's yeah, like the, the he crazy is the, guy he is, with the he is strongest man that has ever been. Well, and you know, clearly that letter of or you know describing like uh, Trump's it. condition was clearly written by Donald Trump because it had that language that kind of like you know he's fantastic. He's, he's the best, the most physically fit president there's ever been. Ever um, could be. People don't know how fantastic he is. So fantastic. So beautifully fantastic. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just um, we have unfettered report on the president's health and, his, and also his mental acuity. I think those are things that we have an absolute right to know, and we apparently don't. And even when we ask about a cough, the, you know, to be dismissed and say that's not an issue. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, he could, it's I mean, an seriously, issue. yeah, even if it's, look, it could be something like fall allergies, right? I get them. Um, yeah. It's, uh, you know, and, and, and that's fine. Just say uh, they're fall allergies or you could even say, we don't know we're, we're you know, the, the, the president's working. If it gets worse, he'll go see his doctor, you know, like a normal person. Yeah. Just answer the question. Yeah. Instead of this whole I don't know. I'm just I'm just tired of being lied to by everybody. Well, it's so. like the drones. I mean, like right now, uh, you know, they're they're talking about, um, you, you know, the Pentagon's official stances says that they don't know who died in that supposed ISIS K what missile strike. Yeah, that's their official stance. Um, Rand Paul was questioning a DoD official a couple days ago, I believe it was. And I was laughing my ass off. You know, Rand Paul said, you know, uh, so you don't know who that was. No, we don't know who that was. So you don't know if you, we killed a, a droned an ISIS-K guy or if we droned uh, a U.S. aid worker. No, uh, we don't know. And he's like, don't you think you should do the investigation before you blow people up? <laughs> yeah, you would think. So – that will be a podcast coming forward. I think we could be probably at the forefront of being the ones calling for a ban on armed drones, which I think you and I can actually agree on for That's different always reasons. Always a good place to end. Okay. All right, Scott. So let's uh, tell, tell the good folks everywhere <laughs> at home and walking around on the street and driving through the mean streets of our blessed land uh, where they can find <laughs> your cartoons and other propaganda. You can go to gocomics.com slash Scott Stantis or gocomics.com slash Prickly City, my comic strip. But you can especially go to counterpoint.com, which is a subscription-based a group of very good cartoonists and two of them with talking to you right now. So that's counterpoint.com. And Ted, where can we find you? Rawl.com, R-A-L-L.com. And you probably should consider, I'm just going to just leave it at this. Pick up my new book. It's called The Stringer. Uh, you can find it on Amazon or better yet, just uh, call your local independent bookseller and ask them to order it. And they will bring it to your hometown and call you and you can drop by and pick it up. If I can jump in and say uh, unsolicited my review of Ted's book, The Stringer, it is excellent. It's firstly surprising because it's outside of of what you're used to reading from Ted Rawl. Uh, it is really a superb graphic novel. And I, I, I suspect it's going to be massively successful and then I'm not going to be able to do or get my calls returned from Ted at some point. No, you'll total, my people will totally almost certainly <laughs> maybe get back to you and put you on the waiting list. <laughs> it's very, very good. The Stringer. 
by Ted Rawl. Uh, absolutely a great read and a page turner. You're going to love it. Trust me. Thank you, Scott. And Scott, you can also pick, see Scott's stuff uh, where he is a staff cartoonist at the little paper called the Chicago Tribune. You may have heard of it. Just a li- we, we Midwestern rag you may have heard of. So all of that being said, thank you so much for listening to this edition of the, the DMZ America podcast. Until next time, we'll see you in the funny papers. Bye.